I'm not sure what I can add to this morning, because hasn't it just been amazing? I'm not sure I can add anything else that can tell you about how great uh, Jesus is, but I'm going to (laughs) try. It was great as well this morning to remember those people who died in various conflicts uh, over the years on Remembrance Sunday. I actually preached my first ever Sunday morning sermon on on Remembrance Sunday seven years ago. Imagine how young I was then. (laughs) That was at an old Methodist church in Darlington. Half the congregation fell asleep. The other half couldn't understand a word I was saying because I spoke too fast. So some things never change. (laughs) But this morning's another first for me because for the first time ever, I'm preaching using the iPad instead of notes. I finally joined the 21st century. I call it the Matthew Maud effect. That's what I call it. (laughs) Yes. No, so if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to Luke 23, uh, verse 32. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. It's going to be on the screen behind me a little bit later. Uh, As Raj said, this morning we're continuing our sermon series called Hello, Jesus. As a church, we've been going over this series for the last couple of months, looking into encounters with Jesus. And if you look in the Bible, an encounter with Jesus is no small thing. Everyone who encountered Jesus had their life changed in some way. So whether it was the disciples who encountered Jesus and gave up everything to follow him, whether it was the Pharisees who encountered Jesus and started to question everything that they believed in, whether it was Zacchaeus who followed Jesus and decided to pay back his stolen taxes, or the woman at the well who encountered Jesus and found forgiveness and grace, or even these guys this morning who got baptised who encountered Jesus and had their lives turned around. One thing is for sure, an encounter with Jesus is no small thing. Because when you meet with Jesus, when you see Jesus, what you're actually seeing is forgiveness, grace, perfect love, freedom, justice and new life. What I want to do this morning is I want to start with a question. Are you prepared to encounter Jesus? Whether you've been a Christian for 10 years, whether you've never even given your life to God, are you prepared for what an encounter with Jesus means for you? That's how I'm going to start this morning. Uh, This morning we're going to be looking at one of my favourite and most challenging passages in the whole Bible. We're going to be looking at the story in Luke 23 of the thief on the cross with Jesus. Now, let me give you some background to this story before we get into it. Uh, Do you know at the start of Star Wars when those yellow words come up on the screen and it gives the background? That's what we're going to do right now. (laughs) There's no yellow words, but we're going to get a little bit of Star Wars, okay. Uh, Just imagine six days previously to this story happening, Jesus had risen into Jerusalem on a donkey, welcomed by crowds of people. They were waving palm branches, celebrating and welcoming him like a king, like a mighty warrior who had come to set them free and bring freedom to the people. As the week went on, things took a drastic turn for the worst as Jesus began teaching in the city. Religious leaders began to feel uncomfortable with what Jesus was saying and initially tried to catch him out with difficult questions. When they realised they couldn't do that, they realised the only thing they could do was uh, plot to have him killed. So skip forward a few days, Jesus ended up being betrayed by one of his best friends. Uh, He ended up being arrested, uh, beaten severely, put on trial and eventually sentenced to death on the cross, the most brutal form of death available at the time. He was was laughed at by crowds of people, he was beaten some more, and he was asked to carry his cross through the city of Jerusalem. 
With every last ounce of strength he had left, he was carrying his cross through the city. He fell several times because it was just such hard work to carry this cross through the city. And eventually, when he reached a place called the place of the skull, sounds awful, doesn't it? When he reached the place of the skull, he was nailed onto a cross and left to die. And sometimes we read this turn of events and we start to see it as God's plan going all wrong, don't we? We look at this turn of events and we think, oh no, it's all going wrong. But actually, as Rice said earlier, this was all part of God's plan. This was all part of God's, as Raj put it, rescue mission. God's great plan for the world. And this was actually God's plan going very, very right. Jesus dying on the cross was all part of God's plan. So, Jesus up on the cross and dying. Let's have a look at the passage and see what it says. We're going to look at Luke 23. It's going to come up on the the screen behind me. We're going to start with verse 32, and we're going to read verse 39 to 43. Okay. So two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Let me pray for us. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you so much for this morning, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you so much for the stories of lives changed by you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you so much for those guys who've taken a step to be baptised because they've encountered you, Lord, and an encounter with you is a life-changing thing. Lord Jesus, we explore your word this morning. Would you speak to our hearts, Lord? Would you help us to encounter you in a fresh way this morning, Lord Jesus? Lord, would you just uh, speak to us all this morning, Lord, no matter what sort of week we've had, no matter what sort of situation we're in, Lord, would you open up our ears to hear from you? In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're really looking at in this talk this morning is people's responses to difficulties, to people's responses to suffering, when life takes a turn for the worst. See, in this story, we have two very different responses from two people who are in the same situation. And I'm going to focus on three characters this morning. First of all, I'm going to focus on the thief who missed the point. Second, I'm going to focus on the thief who was on point. Now, let me just teach you some young person lingo for a second, all right? (laughs) Being on point just means being spot on. Yeah, being slick. The young people assure me that's true. I don't know, I'm not cool. But being on point. So the thief that was on point, and finally Jesus, the one who is the point. That should be behind me, but it's not. (laughs) So let's have a look at the first person, the thief who missed the point. So the Bible doesn't actually specify what this criminal had done. Some translations refer to him as a rebel, others a thief, And others simply refer to him as a criminal. And although we don't know what this thief actually did, what we do know was that he was being crucified. The fact that he was being crucified, the fact that this guy was getting his punishment, the fact that he'd been sentenced to death on the cross, showed that this was a bad guy. 
by all accounts, this was a guy who deserved the punishment he was getting. This was a criminal. And let me tell you a quick story here about a man named Robert Lee Willie. All right. Um, there should be a picture of him behind me. Now, when this picture comes up, all right, don't judge me because of the bad quality, but it's really, really hard to find a picture of a murderer on the internet. And I didn't want to spend too much time looking, so that's the only picture I could get. <laughs> so Robert Lee Willie found himself in an extremely similar situation in America back in 1978. Robert Lee Willie was a terrible, terrible person. He was a criminal and an extremely dangerous criminal at that. He was arrested and convicted for a whole range of crimes, including murder, kidnap, and rape. This was a nasty, nasty piece of work who ended up being sentenced to death in America by electric chair uh, in, in Louisiana State in America. This was a man who was really, really, uh, what the jury said was deserving of his punishment. This was a nasty, nasty man. And what I want you to do is I want you to remember Robert Lee Willie because we're going to come back to him later on in this story. We're going to revisit what happened to him because his story is extremely similar to that of the thieves on the cross. But back to the first thief. Do you know what? I feel really bad for this guy because in his last dying moments on earth, as he's hanging on a cross, his response was to mock Jesus. So that shows the type of guy this was. That shows the type of evil person he was because in his last moments on earth, when he'd, most people would start thinking about, you know, about what they'd done or thinking about their family. This guy was thinking about mocking Jesus. He was thinking about doing more wrong. This was such a bad guy. And if we look at what the criminal actually says, what we begin to see is we've actually got more in common with this guy than we like to think we do. We've got more in common with this criminal on the cross than we think we do. Let's have a look at what he says. He says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us while you're at it. But if you look carefully at what he's saying, read between the lines slightly, I think what he's actually saying is he's saying, Jesus, if you are God, prove it to me. Jesus, if you are God, prove that you're God and get yourself down off the cross and get me down as well. Prove that you are God's. Has anyone ever said that? I have, definitely. It's a common response to suffering, to difficult times. People will look to God as someone to blame during difficult times. See, this thief on the cross wasn't interested in, in uh, salvation. He wasn't interested in repenting of what he did. He wasn't interested in forgiveness. All he was interested in was having a go at Jesus and getting his own way. He didn't care that the Son of God was being crucified next to him. All he cared about was saving himself. Have you ever said that to God? Have you ever said something similar? God, if you're in control, why is my life going wrong? God, if you're in control, why did my marriage break down? God, if you're in control, why don't I have a job? God, if you're in control, why don't you prove that you're in control and resolve my situation that I'm in? It's a common response that we all say. God, if you prove to me that you're God, then I might believe in you. God, if you prove to me you're real, I'll give my life to you. That's a common way of thinking, isn't it? Or this thief might have even been saying, convince me. He might have been saying, God, if you really are God, then convince me of that. The truth is, a lot of Christians still say that as well. 
God, if you do this for me, I'll trust in you. God, if you convince me that you're real, I'll give my life to you. Prove you can do it, God. Prove you can fix my situation. Then I might believe in you. We start to blame God for our suffering, don't we? That's a common response. We blame God for our suffering as if God owes us something. That's how arrogant we are as people. (laughs) As if God might owe us something, we blame him for our suffering. That's a common, common school of thought by most people. The fact is this. The criminal on the cross completely missed the point. He completely missed the fact that Jesus was doing just that. Jesus was actually proving to him that he was God by dying, but the criminal just couldn't see it. He was proving that we are God by dying for all of our sins, dying for the sins of the world. He was dying for all of our stuff you God attitudes and thoughts, all of our I don't need God's behavior, all of our selfishness. He was dying for all of those things. How ironic is that? The thief completely missed the point. I mean, imagine if, if Jesus had responded to him. How would that conversation have went? You'd have the thief on one side. Jesus, if you're the Messiah, come down and save me. Prove you're the Messiah. And then Jesus on the other side would say, that's exactly what I'm doing, idiot. <laughs> Maybe he wouldn't say idiot. But he'd say, that's exactly what I'm doing. If only you had eyes to see. How ironic is this? I'm going to come back to this a little bit later. But let me get back to this criminal for a second. Because I want to really elaborate on the fact that he completely missed the point. Because it's so easy to miss the point. See, what was happening here for all three people in this story, the two criminals and Jesus, is that they were receiving condemnation and punishment from the Roman Empire. They had committed a crime or wrongly been found guilty of a crime in Jesus' case, and they were receiving their punishment. Their life on earth was over. And the reason that this first thief missed the point is this. He had the chance to receive forgiveness from heaven. He had the chance to receive uh, amazing grace. That was available to him in that moment, but he didn't see it. He completely missed that point. Why? Because in the midst of his darkest moment, all he could see was himself. He couldn't look beyond the situation that he was in. He refused to look any deeper than that situation, and because of that, he completely missed the point. Please don't be like this first thief on the cross. Look past your current situation. No matter what you're going through at the moment, God can and will forgive you because salvation is for everyone. All you need to do is lift your head above the clouds and disappointment of life and look to Jesus. All you need to do is look at the one who is in control. Look past your distractions and see that he is in control even when it doesn't seem like it. So that was the first criminal, the one who missed the point. The second thief is the one who was on point. And I want to look at his story for a second. See, before we go in and talk about this thief, the first thing to remember is that this guy was a criminal. Sometimes we dress this guy up as a nice guy because he accepted Jesus. But the truth is, this was a bad guy. This guy was in the same situation as the other criminal. This guy, by all accounts, deserved to die. A person who was getting the punishments that his acts and deeds deserved. Let's not beat around the bush here. If it was any of us on that jury, we would have found this guy guilty. 
This guy was a criminal. This guy was getting the punishment he deserved. Just like Robert Lee Willie from earlier, he was a nasty, nasty man, and somebody by all accounts was getting his punishment. But what is different about this thief is that in his desperate last moment, he realized the seriousness of his situation. He realized the game was up, and you can almost tell this because of his panicked response. If you read the passages, he says, Don't you fear God? I mean, that strikes a panic to me. He says, Don't you fear God? You can almost add on to the end of that, Don't you fear God? Because I do. He knew that he'd failed in life, he'd messed up big style. And God wasn't going to let that go. God wasn't going to let that go. Why? Because God is a good God. Justice is very important to Jesus. This guy was going to get what his sins deserved because that is justice. But the second thief saw the seriousness of his situation and he saw the sorry state that he was in and that struck fear into him. So he acknowledged God. See, he realized the only chance he would have of making out of this mess was by looking to God. He didn't blame God for his suffering. He didn't blame God for putting him in this situation. No, he just accepted that he was here because of his own sins. But he was willing to acknowledge that God was bigger than his sins. That's the difference between the first and second criminal on the cross. On top of that, though, he realized he wasn't being crucified next to any ordinary man. He encountered Jesus and realized he was in the midst of someone special. He realized that Jesus had done nothing wrong. Whereas the first criminal couldn't care less if Jesus was innocent. All he cared about was saving himself. The second criminal realized that Jesus was innocent. And his response is brilliant. His response is heartbreakingly brilliant, actually. He, just, he turns to Jesus and he says, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. I mean, can you hear the sincerity in that? Remember me. He didn't say, save me. He didn't say, get me down off this cross. He said, remember me. And this is so different to the response of the first thief. The first thief was asking Jesus to prove to him, if you're God, prove it to me and save me. The second thief knew that Jesus was God and acknowledged that he was king. And he knew he didn't deserve a second chance. It was as if he was saying, God, would you please remember me? Would you please remember me? I don't deserve it. I really don't deserve it. But if you could please, please just remember me. Do you know what? He knew Jesus had the power to forgive him. But he also knew that he was unworthy of that forgiveness. And that's why he said, would you remember me? And not, could you remember me? There's a difference there. He doesn't say, could you? He says, would you? Because he knew that he could find forgiveness in Jesus. This thief knew he'd run out of time he was going to be unable to right all of his wrongs or apologize to all of the people that had hurt him or get his life back on track. He knew it was too late for all of that and his only response was to humble himself before Jesus. The game was up and you can almost sense the sincerity in a thief's voice. Remember me. 
this criminal also saw beyond his current situation. He saw beyond the pain and looked to a bigger picture. His eternal destiny was at risk here, so he decided to try one last thing and come humbly to Jesus. And there's something we can take from this story. Because as people, often we start thinking about what we can do to earn salvation. We try to do good things, or be a nice person, or give to charity. We try and do the right things, and we think that'll earn our salvation. But inevitably, we always end up falling short and missing out. And that leaves us feeling down. But this is a great example of, uh, that we can learn from, because we don't have to try and earn our salvation. Guys, I want to t- say to you this morning, stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop trying to earn forgiveness. Stop trying to do good deeds and just come and fall into the arms of God's. You don't need to get your life back on track. You don't need to start uh, righting all of your wrongs. Just come back to God because he's full of forgiveness and grace and mercy. This story just shows that our deeds don't and can't save us. But our faith in Jesus' work on the cross is the thing that saves us. And it is never too late to come to Jesus. We're going to move on to the last person in the story. The person who is the point. See, look back at the first criminal, mocking Jesus, proving that you were God. The incredible thing about this story was that Jesus was doing just that. He was proving that he was God by dying for this criminal and everyone else in the world. Jesus, in that moment, was taking the punishment of the whole world on his shoulders. By dying on the cross, he was providing a way for people to find uh, salvation in God, the way for people to find eternal life. This was the greatest love story in history. (laughs) Do you know what? There's a scary part in this story. There's a scary part because there's no recorded response from Jesus to this first criminal. Does that scare you? Jesus didn't respond. Jesus didn't respond to his mocking. He just allowed this first criminal to face the fate that he'd chosen for himself because fair is fair. Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus didn't say, you know what, I am God. Shut up. Jesus didn't jump down off the cross and slap him around the face and say, I am God. There you go, son. He didn't do that. I'm painting a bad picture of Jesus this morning. I'm sorry. He didn't do that. No, Jesus just let this first criminal face the fate that he'd chosen for himself. Jesus gave him what he wanted. And his first response, uh, his response to the second criminal was different, though, because this is probably one of the most incredible examples of Jesus' comf- compassion in the whole Bible. Look at the facts here. Jesus was in his final moments. He'd been betrayed, beaten, abused, mocked, and hung on a cross. He had literally faced torture and was in his final moments when this conversation happened. And you know what? If I was Jesus, there was no way I'd be saving anyone. There's no way I'd be saving anyone. Because I'd be so sick of the human race at this point. There was no way I'd be giving compassion to anyone. It's a good job I'm not Jesus. But Jesus, in an amazing act of love and compassion, forgave this individual and secured his eternal destiny. How amazing is that? 
the most remarkable part of this story is Jesus' response. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. He doesn't give the thief a list of things to do. He doesn't give him a list of rights, wrongs to right. No, he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Why? Because you believe in me. Because you trust in me and you have something deeper. There's something we can take from this. God's grace is so lavish that he forgives us no matter what we've done. We don't have to make things right. We just need to accept God, cherish him, and he forgives us. To come to God, to find salvation, you don't need to get things right. Hear that this morning. This was complete, undeserved grace and complete, undeserved forgiveness. Let's revisit our friend Robert Lee Willey from earlier. Now, his story has actually a quite similar theme to that of the second criminal. Because while Robert Lee Willey was in prison, while he was on death row, he was visited by a nun named Sister Helen Prejean. Uh, there she is. He was visited by Sister Helen Prejean. And so picture the scene here, okay? On one side of the table, you have an awful, awful criminal. You've got a murderer. You've got an unrepentant, angry, altogether pretty messed up criminal. And on the other side of the table, you have a Bible-believing, grace-filled nun. How incredible is that? And these guys ended up having a pretty extraordinary friendship, which is told in the film there, Dead Man Walking. Uh, If you've never seen the film, watch it. Please don't take my wife's review on it. She told me it was in the top three worst films she'd ever seen. I'd put it in my top three best films I'd ever seen. (laughs) Amazing, amazing film. And while it seemed like the whole world had given up on Robert, while it seemed like no one was willing to give him a second chance, while it seemed that the whole world was against him, in his desperate struggle, one person cared. Sister Helen showed Robert completely and utterly undeserved grace. She came to him and acted as his spiritual advisor. She spent hours with him telling him about the love, forgiveness and grace of God. It was completely undeserved. Robert didn't deserve it, but Sister Helen sat with this man and offered him forgiveness. And she was interviewed about it at the time, and this is what she said. She said, "People uh, people are worth more than the worst thing they've ever done. Deep down, this man is still a child of God's. People are worth more than the worst thing they've ever done. Deep down, this man is still a child of God's. That's a statement about grace, isn't it? And this story ends in a similar way. Robert Lee Willie was executed by electric chair. And do you know what? I don't know if he ever gave his life to God's. I don't know that. But what I do know is one of the last recorded things he did is he asked for his hood to be removed and he looked over at Sister Helen and he, and he winked and smiled at her. And I'd love to think that that was the moment that he realised where he was going when he died. I'd love to think that was the moment he realised that in a few minutes he'd be coming face to face with his father. But even if that's not true, even if he didn't give his life to God, this story's still incredible because he was shown complete and undeserved grace and forgiveness. The same forgiveness and grace shown by Jesus. If I could get the band to come back up, that would be great.
See, Jesus gave this criminal on the cross a second chance. The same second chance he gives to all of humanity if we choose to accept him. And I want to challenge you here, all right? One of my favorite poets uh, and songwriters is a Christian guy called John Foreman, all right? And he heads up the Christian rock band Switchfoot. Have we got any Switchfoot fans here? Just me. Right, you all need to go home and listen to Switchfoot, okay? Now, in one of his songs, John writes this. He writes, uh, it's going to come up behind me, I hope. He writes, hallelujah, I'm a wretched man. Hallelujah, I'm a terrible man. But hallelujah, every breath is a second chance. I'm a wretched man, I'm a terrible man, but every breath is a second chance. That is what this story is about. Every moment of freedom you enjoy is because of this second chance that Jesus gives you. Are you thankful for that? Do you acknowledge Jesus in that? Do you live this second chance life where every moment you enjoy is because of him? If you start to realize that, would it change your prayer life? Would you be more thankful? We live second chance lives because of Jesus. Do you know what? I don't know how many breaths this criminal had on the cross after his conversation with Jesus. Probably not many. But I bet every single one of them was filled with thankfulness for what Jesus had done in that incredible moment. If you don't know forgiveness this morning, if you don't know what it's like to live this second chance life, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, please, please don't be like the first thief. Please stop looking to save yourself. Please don't miss the point. Life will always fail you if you see it that way. If you try and earn salvation, life will always fail you. But be like the second criminal who realized the beauty and majesty of Jesus and greatly accepted his life-giving, freedom-bringing, joy-resulting sacrifice on the cross. Look, giving your life to Jesus doesn't mean you've got everything sorted. Giving your life to Jesus doesn't automatically make you the perfect person. Giving your life to Jesus makes you realize that you're never going to be the perfect person, but it doesn't matter because Jesus has died in your place. I'm going to make it really simple to end. Okay? The band's going to play a worship song. and If you're a Christian, if you know this second chance life, if you've experienced grace and forgiveness in your life, what better way to react to that than to worship? I feel like we should worship God this morning because we live second chance lives. But if you're not a Christian this morning, if you've never given your life to God, if you want to know what, more about the second chance life, if you want to know more about grace and forgiveness, I'm going to be stood just at the side of the front. Please come forward and I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to explain more of it to you as well. And I just love to pray for you because I don't want anyone to miss out on the second chance life this morning. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to worship. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace and forgiveness on the cross, Lord Jesus. Lord, even though we don't deserve forgiveness, Lord, even though we deserve punishment, Lord Jesus, because we're sinful people, Lord, you show us grace and forgiveness, Lord Jesus. God, we can't thank you enough for that, Lord. Lord, we want to worship you because we thank you that we can live new lives, Lord. We can live these second chance lives, Lord, because of your sacrifice for us, Lord Jesus. Because of your undeserved grace and forgiveness for us, Lord Jesus. 
So Lord, as we worship you, would you help us to fix our eyes back on you, Lord? Would you help us to be truly thankful for the amazing sacrifice you've given to us, Lord Jesus? Lord, we love you so much, Lord Jesus. Amen. Guys, let's worship.